Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go! Hallelujah. If you have a Bible, we're going to be in James chapter 1. While you're turning there, I want to just kind of, I'll pray real quick and then we'll do a quick recap. Lord, thank you so much for today, Lord. Thank you for what you've already done, what you're already doing, Lord. I thank you, Father God, that what you're going to deposit on the inside of our hearts today, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Let it, Lord, like your word says, Lord, let it pierce through the through the flesh, let it pierce through the soul, Lord, and go straight deep to our, our insecurities, Lord. Let it go straight to our subconscious level. Let it go to our tendencies, Lord, our habits, Lord, all the different things, Lord, that we run to instead of running to you, Lord. I thank you today. We put those on the altar, Lord. We put all that on the altar. We put all our insecurities, all our trigger, Lord, all our drama, all our trauma, all our stresses, Lord, all our worries, Lord, all of our frustration, Lord, all our anxiety, depression, Lord, our fear of the future, Lord, our fear of, our fear of uh, messing up and failing, Lord. We put all that on the altar this morning, God. Yes, Lord, we put all of it on the altar. We give it to you, Lord. And, Lord, just like your word says, we give it to you, Lord, and we receive your e your yoke that is easy, Lord, and it's light, Lord, and it's burden-free, God. We receive that this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Anybody receive that this morning? Amen. You don't get anything else. Lord, I receive your, bur I receive your yoke that is easy and light. Amen. So this is week three of Advent, and the third week, the third candle of the Advent wreath that represents joy. Somebody say joy. joy. So, you know, I, I believe that this is very relevant for Christians, for all of us, um, especially around this time of the season, because, you know, it's, uh, you know, there's no better holiday like the celebration of the Son of God coming in the form of a baby to show you the true posture of your heart. Amen. There, there's no better time like Christmas to show, you know, where your heart stands. You know, uh, you know, you uh, you can always tell um, you can tell the best cooks. <laughs> I remember I used to use this excuse whenever we would go out to eat back when me and Kelsey, like in the in the very early stages. You know, now I feel like I'm brave enough to try different things and I have my go to if it don't work. But, you know, I remember back when we were dating in our first couple of years of marriage, we'd go to different restaurants. You know, we could go to I, I'll just make it up. We could go to, you know, uh, Joe's Crab Shack. You know, and you know, at, you know, at a seafood place, you know, you know, you you gonna order seafood now, Lindsay. Lindsay's ordering the chicken tenders, and she was like, "We come all this way, you go order chicken tenders." I'm like, "Cuz I need to know, if you can't cook chicken tenders, you can't cook seafood. You know, if you can't cook the chicken, you can't cook shrimp. You can't cook no fillet. You know, cordon bleu. You know, baby blue, whatever you gonna cook. If you can't cook, if you can't get the tenders right." The basic chicken tenders that you can't cook. You ain't, you ain't worth the second trip. You know, there's no better time like Christmas to show us the posture of our heart. You know, it's, it's, it's easy to say throughout the year, oh, we're giving. Oh, we're generous. Oh, we're humble. Oh, you know, oh, we're, you know, we, we put others before ourselves. But when Christmas come around, that's when we really get to see as, as believers of Jesus, as followers of Jesus, are you really humble? Are you really putting others before yourself? You know, if you find out that you ain't going to get anything, what's the posture of your heart? You know, are we, are we like my kids where like if, if I told them, hey, we ain't going to get you nothing for Christmas. Yeah, now, we ain't telling them that, but I, I can imagine that's how it go. Yeah, what? what? Are, are, are we truly like that? Or, you know, around this time of year, we get to. We get to use Advent as a as a uh, a gateway or opportunity or vehicle to see, you know, what it, what is the posture of our hearts, Amen. Yeah. 
you know, having joy that is uh, that is the fruit of the spirit. It's something. It's definitely something I wrestle with. It's something that we all wrestle with because ultimately we we are so prone to attach our worth or value to temporal things. We, we attach our worth to our jobs. We attach it to our credit scores. We attach and compare our marriage. We compare our children. We compare our careers. We compare our education. We compare our vehicles. We compare our clothes. We compare the, the way we cook certain meals. You know, you cook a certain meal and you post, you know, you ever posted the meal on you know, Instagram or Facebook or whatever. You're like, hey, look at this chef boy or Lindsay. You know, you, you, you know we, it's so easy to compare everything that we do, every aspect, every detail of our life we compare it to uh, what we see on social media we compare it to hallmark movies or any other false reality we live in a world we are attaching our worth and our purpose on something else or someone else the best way to say it is unfortunately we seek satisfaction listen to this we seek satisfaction from things that do not have the power to satisfy we live in a world where we are seeking satisfaction in things that don't have the power to satisfy amen that's powerful, and we we just trying to recap a little bit. But, you know, we're talking about joy. Understand this, that um, joy, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Joy means to have unending satisfaction with God no matter what. That's what joy means. Joy means to have unending satisfaction with God no matter what. I'm going to say it again. Let me, let, me, let me say it best this way. No matter what, you're satisfied because you're in God. It hits, it hits a little bit. It's, it's like a hammer on a thumb. You, you are satisfied no matter what because you're with God. Amen. Amen. See, joy, we, you know, you may, we may have talked about this in Sunday school growing up, but joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Joy, it goes far beyond uh, momentary happiness, a.k.a. it's transseasonal. Joy is not just around the Christmas season. Joy is not just on Fridays when you get paid. Joy is available on Mondays. Joy is meant to be fil- joy is meant to be the life that you or the filter that you live your life through on Tuesdays, on Wednesdays, or in October, at the beginning of the year, any day, any time, any hour. Joy is transseasonal. It's joy is a posture that cannot be deterred by present circumstances. I like that one. Joy is a posture of the heart. That cannot be deterred by present circumstances. So that means whether you have money in the bank or you don't have money in the bank, you can still have joy. That means that if you have a room full of five people or a room full of 500 people, you can still have joy. That means that you can you can have joy whether you're driving a, 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 you know, a used car or a new car. You can have joy when you're going to the doctor or when you're going out to eat. You can have joy whenever you choose to tap into it. Amen. Joy is a decision. Listen to this. Joy is a decision. That means that you don't ask your feelings to get you some joy. You tell your feelings. You tell your feelings to follow your joy. Joy is a decision. Somebody say joy is a decision. Many of us as followers of Jesus, in other words, joy is the thermostat. Uh, unfortunately, we live in a world where we, we place joy as, uh, as you know, um, it really joy should be a thermostat and not a thermometer. Unfortunately, we use joy as a thermometer and not a thermostat. See, we, I loved uh, when I uh, was a character coach for uh, high school, you know, we, uh, we, you know, partnered with FFA. And um, 
FCA. That's what I was like. Whoa, wait, 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 wait. I'm thinking. I'm, I don't know why I'm thinking about DJ right now. But hey, I'm, I'll pray for him at the end. I, funny story. DJ joined FFA. If y'all don't know, you can ask him about that. It, it was one day. It was only for maybe maybe an hour. Really, I don't even know. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna tell on him. I'm gonna tell on you. Can tell him later. But I'm gonna tell him. I I loved it because I remember our first day of high school. Side note: Our first day of high school, you know, they're talking about all these clubs, and you join clubs. I joined Art Club. I joined Tigers Roar. I feel like I joined something else. I can't remember. But uh, I remember we're sitting at the lunch table. DJ comes down. He's like, "I said, hey man, what 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 clubs you join?" He said, "Man, I joined FFA." I was like, "You joined what?" Like he said, "FFA." I said, "Bro, you ain't a farmer." He said, "No, it's form. It's it's future formers of America. You know, like people that want to lead and shape the country." I was like. Bro, it ain't that. <laughs> it ain't no, it ain't, I mean, there's leadership, but it ain't the type of leadership you think. He's like, no, nah, whatever. I was like, ah. so he asked somebody else. So it's like, yeah, man, that's, that's farming club. He's like, what? So he went to the first meeting. That's it. <laughs> Just on me. <laughs> so the next day I was like, hey, bro, how was FFA? He's like, I quit. I was, <laughs> I was like, thought so. Thought so. <laughs> but when uh, when I was working through F- FCA, there we go. So working through FCA, one of our uh, one of our uh, uh, assignments that we did was the lesson plan of thermostat versus a thermometer. You know, a thermometer can only check the temperature that is set by the thermostat. You know, therefore the thermometer has no control over the surroundings, but the thermostat the thermostat sets the tone. You know, if you're if you're too hot, then you turn on you. You don't go to the thermometer. You go to the thermostat to cool yourself down. If you get too cold, you go to the thermostat to turn yourself. Joy should be the thermostat for your life. Joy shouldn't be the thermometer. Joy shouldn't be the thing that's reacting to everything in your life. Joy should be the thing that your life has to react to. Woo, a joy should be the thing that your life reacts to. You shouldn't be satisfied. You shouldn't find yourself satisfied with your life based off of all the things that are going on in your life. You should be satisfied based off of God and what he has done for you and your life responds to that. Amen. Amen. Your life adjusts accordingly. Amen. Amen. Somebody say joy. So like I said earlier, joy is unending. Uh, it's unending satisfaction in God, no matter what. Amen. So if joy means to have unending satisfaction with God no matter what, no matter how your life has turned out, are you satisfied with Papa? No matter how our life has turned out, are we satisfied with Papa? James says it best in chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. He says this, he says, excuse me, my fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. Watch this in verse 3 and 4. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. Somebody say nothing missing, nothing lacking. That's one of the prayers that we pray with the boys. But I love this in verse two, literally. Paul said, or not Paul, excuse me, James said, my fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. See, joy is the official voice of faith. Joy is the official voice of your faith. Not your doubts, not your worries, not your fears, not your anxiety, not your triggers, not your drama, not your baby mama drama, not your whatever it is. 
not your work drama, not the government drama, not the drama you see on CNN or Fox News, not the drama you see in the newspaper, not the drama you hear at the hair salon or the barbershop. Joy is the voice of your faith. One translation, growing up we used to say it this way, but one translation says, count it all joy when you, uh, when you go through diverse trials. Count it all joy when you go through diverse trials. See, count it all joy means to make, listen to this, count it all joy means to make a calculation in which joy can be the only logical conclusion. To count it all joy means that you are, you are literally coming up, you are literally lumping everything into this ultimate conclusion that, um, that, uh, that lands you at joy. See, the word count, it's a financial term and it means to evaluate. The word count means to evaluate. When James says to count it all joy, he, he is encouraging us to evaluate the way we look at our trials. When he says count it all joy, he's encouraging us to evaluate. Break, you know, you ever evaluated something? You don't, you know, just look it on the surface. You break it down. You're staring at it. You're trying to solve the, the, the equation or trying to solve the problem. You're not, you know, you're trying to figure out how, how do I get to this solution? He's saying when, you, when we go through diverse trials, when we go through difficulties, nothing but difficulties, evaluate those difficulties. Count those difficulties as joy. Amen. James is calling us to develop a new and improved attitude that considers trials from God's perspective. James is he's encouraging us to develop a new attitude that 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 looks at God or that looks at trials from God's perspective. See, if you if you get down on your hands and knees and crawl around, you know what's going to happen? You're going to see things at Cohen's level. You're going to understand why he pits up every little thing. Because every little thing is in his, is in his, it's in his peripheral, it's in his, it's in, it's in his viewpoint. Are we considering God's perspective? Are we ev- elevating our thoughts? Are we getting to where He is? Are we elevate? We've read it before, but Colossians what three verses one and two? You know, uh, think on heavenly realities. Think on heavenly realities. When it comes to when you're going through something, instead of being like, oh, my God, God, deliver me. God, free me. God, you know, free me. You know, Lord, take care of them. Lord, you know, vengeance, Lord. All, you know, instead of praying that God be the great defender that he is, ask yourself, hey, Lord, how, how, do, you, how do you see this, this turmoil that I'm going through? What, what does it look like from your perspective? Lord, what does it look like from your position? God, how, how does it look up there? Or better yet, better yet, watch it. Lord, how does it look? from your position. I heard Andrew Womack say years ago, he said, you know why we bow our heads when we pray? Because God's right here. So when you're talking to God, Lord, Lord, how, how does it look from your position? How does it look from your vantage point? And that vantage point isn't just, you know, from an elevated living in the heavens, looking down upon us. No, it's, it's a victorious position because he has conquered all things. So literally we're saying, okay, Lord, the one who has conquered all things, what I'm going through, what does it look like from your perspective? What, how, does it look, how does it look being uh, sitting at the finish line? What does it look like I'm going through? And, and show me how it looks. Show me how I'm supposed to walk this way. Show me how I'm supposed to talk this way. Show me how I'm supposed to get through this. Show me how I'm supposed to thrive through this, not just survive. You know you were called to thrive, not just survive. Amen. It's so easy for us to develop the mindset of, okay, I, I just want to survive. Just get through the day. Just keep on keeping on. 
you know, instead of, instead of going for the hundred, you know, we we, you know, I know I know I need to, you know, I, I know we sing, you know, Lord, trying to make a hundred. It's 99 and a half. Well, I used to bug Dre with that when we lived away, and she called, like, how you doing? I'm like, Dre, I'm just, I'm just running and trying to make a hundred. And she's like, oh, my Lord. I'm like, sing it with me, Dre. 99 and a half won't do, you know. And unfortunately, as Christians, if, if we were to put our, if we were to put our, our, our actions in the hot seat, the, trying to get the 99 is, isn't even accurate for us. A lot of times we settle for the 45% or the 35%. Or Lord, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm, you know, Lord, I'm just trying. Just, Lord, just don't let the creek rise, and we'll make it through the day. <laughs> Lord, just don't, don't let the car break down. I, I found myself. I, I'm guilty of it too. I found myself on my route, you know, and, and the car is like, the car is giving me a little time. I'm like, Lord, just let me make it. Just let me to the top. Lord, just let me make it to the end of the shift. To the end, of, Lord, just, just Lord, right now, anointing, anoint this car. Let me just make it home, and then we can deal with it later. Instead of instead of saying, "Okay, Lord, no, no, no," what what does this look like from your perspective? Is is it already done? Is it already taken care of? Okay, let me, Lord, give me that mindset. Help me adopt that mindset, Lord. Help me adopt that victorious mindset instead of that half mindset. Instead of that get by mindset. Instead of that, well, if you can just if you just give me a little bit of this, then you know I can handle the rest. Amen. Amen. See, as we, as we walk with the Lord in this life, we are to expect trials and difficulties. That's what James is saying. But also, we should be prepared and not caught off guard when a sudden trial comes upon us. Don't be surprised when trials come. Even Jesus said it best. He said in John, you don't turn there, but in John 16, 33, literally Jesus said that in this world, you will have trouble. Amen. Amen. We live in this world. We will have to. We should not be surprised by it. Just because it's Christmas time doesn't mean that, oh, troubles, you know, they, they take a month off. Does, doesn't mean that, you know, stressors and triggers and trauma don't mean that, oh, boys, it's Christmas time. Let, let's leave them alone. Let, let's get them this time, you know. Let's let their hearts build up. No, that, that's when the opposition comes more, amen. That's when the ops come more. That's when the ops come stronger. Listen, if you watch a game, if you ever watch a basketball game or a football game, the moment that the, the moment that one team realizes that the other team you know, is, is, is kind of slacking up. Oh, they, they pour it on them. They pour it on. They don't let up. I remember we used to watch, uh, there's a show. It's on Netflix. I don't recommend it, but we used to watch it. It's called Last Chance You. And, you know, basically, ultimately, you know, you, you, you know, you, if you ever watch college sports, you know, you see some of these high school talents that are just amazing. You know, like they, they literally, when they jump, they can jump all the way to the moon. They jump out of the gym. It's just crazy. And you're like, you know, you hear them getting signed to all these district one colleges and stuff. And then all, mysteriously, you don't ever hear from them anymore because they flunk out or, or, you know, get charged with a crime or all these different things. And the, basically the show Last Chance You, it's all these junior colleges that, you know, that pick up all, the, all, those, all that talent that, you know, pretty much got kicked out of school. And, you know, so therefore it's this team full of all-stars but can't make it to class. <laughs> full of all-stars that can't stay off drugs. Full of all-stars that, you know, just they, they think that they're, they're it. They think that every, life owes them all these different things, and it's this big documentary. But whenever they go to play, you know, the, you know, the frustrating part is you see all the talent they have. Like, if I could just, if I could, if I could run just like that, oh, shh. And you told me, hey, uh, you know, we're, we're only going to pay you such a million, so many amount of million dollars sit on the bench. I'll be like, oh, okay. I'll, I'll take the check. Yeah, I'll sit. I'll sit. I ain't got to get hit collecting the check. 
But with these kids, you know, they're, you know, oh, that's not good. I can't believe you put me on the bench. Da, da, da. I'm like, I ain't getting hit. I'm good. <laughs> what you saying, you know? And, uh, uh, you know, with, with it, you know, you get to see all, all this talent. And, and it's crazy because, you know, they have the mindset of, you know, that life owes them all these different things. But ultimately, when they get out on the field, and they face other opponents, other opponents, you feel so bad for the other opponents because they, I mean, they run up the score to the point that they had to invoke the mercy rule when it's 62 to 3. 62 to 3. And, you know, and, you know, the other coaches always complaining, can you just give us a break? And they're like, no. And they just, you know, they pour on even more, pour the gas. They're like, I mean, scoring touchdowns, intercept, all these different things. You know, there's, you know, just around this time of the year, it doesn't mean that because the enemy sees you trying to focus your heart, trying to reconcile with God, trying to, trying to, uh, trying to be hopeful, trying to spark hope within you, trying to, trying to live a life of peace, trying to live a life of joy. It doesn't mean that the enemy is going to be like, oh, they're trying to get themselves together. Let's take a break. No. The opposition pours even more on this time of the year, amen? The, the attack on your heart, the attack on your mind, it strengthens even more, especially when you're walking with God. See, typically a trial is not an occasion for joy. Trial, you know, last time I, last time I checked, nobody gets happy when they get sick. You know, you, you know, you go to the doctor, the doctor says, you got the flu? Yes. Yes. Oh, man. Oh, this is so good. Nobody says that. Now, you know, when the, when the car breaks down, oh, yeah, struggle bus, here we go. Oh, here comes the bus. I mean, nobody says that, right? No, nobody gets happy. You know, last time you ever seen anybody smile when they go to the dentist, you sat in the dentist's office, you don't see people smile. Everybody head down, sad, <laughs> nervous. <laughs> Ain't nobody happy about that. You know, like, uh, you go into the loan office. The loan offices, they're smiling. But ain't nobody on the other side, ain't nobody smiling about it. They just, you know, you know, we don't, we don't, you know, when James says that we should count our problems as joy, he's not, you know, he understands, even he understands that trials and tribulations, they're not an occasion for joy. However, you know, he's not suggesting that we pursue trials or, or that we pursue hardship. Neither are we to pretend that trials are enjoyable to endure. However, trials are difficult and painful, but they exist for a purpose. They exist for your for a purpose. The difficulties that you go through, it exists for a purpose. Trials have, watch this, trials have the potential of producing something good in us, and for this reason, they are an opportunity for expressing joy. Trials have the very thing that can produce something within you that you need in this life. Therefore, they are an opportunity for having joy. How are they an opportunity for having joy? Watch this, by knowing there is a bigger picture, we can consider trials or moments of difficulties as things to rejoice in. By, by if we can look at the bigger picture, if we can focus on heavenly realities, then we will realize that there is that God is working behind the curtain, that he is working all things out for the good of those that love him. We will realize that our moments of difficulties are in our opportunities for us to rejoice in. See, joy is, con, uh, is contrary to our normal reaction. James urges us to work on changing our attitude towards difficulties. He encourages us to change our attitude on on uh, on how we see difficulties. I know we talked about this before, but in the Old Testament is written in Hebrew and the New Testament is written in Greek. The same word that we read in James chapter uh, one, verses two, when James mentions the word joy in the Greek, it's the word hara. And that same word hara is mentioned in Luke chapter two. And chapter two, verse 10, it's the story of Jesus when he's born, when the angel says, fear not. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, 
which shall be to all people. Somebody say all people. So therefore, if those words are the same, then the same joy that we get around Christmas time, watch this, the same joy that we get around Christmas time is the same joy that we should have when we go through difficulties. And that's tough. That's tough because, you know, when soon, you know, I know some people, I ain't going to call them out, but I know some people, soon as October strikes, they already thinking about Christmas and ready to put decorations up. Don't make sense, but they're ready. Why? Because there's that joy of Christmas. There's that hopeful anticipation. Oh, we can't wait for Christmas. Oh, my favorite time of the year. Oh, I love the fragrances. Oh, I love the lights. Oh, all this, everything. Well, guess what? Guess what? Originally, the same joy that we have anticipating the birth of Christ and anticipating this type of season is the same joy that we should have when we go through difficulties. Ooh. Not saying that you need to put up a, you need to put up lights and, and and turn the Christmas fragrance on the moment that you you know the moment that the bills are due. Oh, here here comes difficulties. Let's get up the Christmas tree. Not saying that, but the fear and the dread that we have when those things arise in our life, the opposite the opposite is what we need to have. Amen. The opposite is what we need to express. The joy that we express for Christmas should also be expressed when we're facing moments of difficulty. Let me give you an example of what counting it all joy looks like. Can I give you an example of what counting it all joy looks like? An example of counting, counting it all joy, we can find, we can see an example is Mary and Joseph. Oh, Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph giving birth to Jesus in a barn. Now, uh, you know, uh, for those that, you know, if you, if those that have children, whatever, you know, when we had Kellen, we was very blessed compared to Mary and Joseph. You know, we were so blessed because it was planned. You know, they, you know, they, they, you know, went to the doctor, you know, the doctor was like, ah, I don't remember all the details. All I know is in my mind, here's how it happened. We go to the doctor. Okay. We're going, we're going to admit y'all uh, tonight and we're going to bring this baby. We're going to bring this baby into the world tomorrow. And all I'm thinking of, all right, the clock starts. You ever watch a draft, football draft, and they're like, you're on the clock. That literally, you're on the clock. So I'm like, oh, snap, here we go. You know, it's the last, it's the last night being, you know, just us two. It's the last night getting to do whatever I want. It's the last night getting to eat whatever I want. It's the, like, tomorrow everything changes. So, but it was planned. I knew that. I knew the room that we was going to be in. I knew the hospital was going to be in. I knew the town was, I knew that, I knew that there was going to be running water in the room. I knew that there was going to be bath. I knew there was going to be a nursing staff. I knew that if we needed something, we would have it. Mary and Joseph. You know, they, they didn't get that. They didn't get the luxury that we all get when we, you know, when, you know, we brought our children into the world. But, you know, can, can you, I mean, let's put ourselves in Mary's shoes for a minute. And I mean, she is like, she's, I mean, she is at a 10. She's ready, like, she's ready to bring the Savior into the world. And she's riding a donkey. Riding a donkey, y'all. She's not in a forerunner. She's not in a minivan. She's not in a, she's not in any vehicle that you, she's on a donkey. On a donkey not not a fast stallion not a she's on a a donkey yes a donkey the original younger and guess what donkeys ain't comfortable y'all you, you don't you don't see people paying millions of dollars to go out to montana to ride a donkey you, you know you don't see the donkeys pulling the budweiser uh in the in the budweiser trailer in the parade no you see the the big class there you don't, you, don't, you don't even think about a donkey, but Mary's on a donkey. I mean, let that sit for a minute, y'all. We're going we're gonna to get real this morning. She's on a donkey. And look, and guess what? When the donkey stops at one place, there's a, we, we ain't got no room here. 
All right, so we got to go somewhere else. Now, we're just talking about Mary specifically. We're going to get to Joseph, fellas. We're going to get to Joseph because we can relate to Joseph real quick. But, you know, Mary's on this donkey. She's riding. And she's, oh, in pain. In pain. Why? Because, but she's having to hold it because I, I ain't, you know, I ain't going to give birth to Jesus on a donkey. Like, I'm going to have to be sitting down or something. We're going to have to figure this out. And finally, the last place to go, the person says, hey, we don't have any room here, but I have a barn. A what? A barn? Like, I told Kelsey, I told Kelsey this on the way to church. I said, I finally had that epiphany. I don't want a farm. I don't want one. Working around, working my normal route and got out this one farm. I get out all the time, but it finally hit me when I opened the door. And I guess maybe because the rain was just right and the wind was blowing, just the smell as soon as I opened the door. I was like, ah, ah, ah. You would have thought I was touching something. I was like, ah. As I'm walking through, trying to make sure I don't step, I was like, ah. Ah, scan the package. I get back the car. I'm like, I don't want to live on no farm. So as we're driving here, I said, Kelsey, I don't want to live on the farm. I wouldn't mind the property. Wouldn't mind the land. I don't want the farm. And she's like, see, I was thinking I want the farm. I was like, I don't want the animals. I don't want the smell. I don't want the hay. I don't want, I, I'm thinking, I ain't even go through the list with her, but I'm thinking in my mind all the things I experienced yesterday. But all the things I experienced yesterday, that's what she was getting ready to deliver her son in. Her, her firstborn. You know, if, if anybody in here has had multiple kids, you remember what the firstborn was like. I mean, that set the tone for everything. She was getting ready to have her firstborn. In this barn. And I, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, hey, the innkeeper's like, hey, I have a, I have a clean room over here set aside for you. And he said, no, nah, you got to go in the barn. If you want, you want to get out that donkey delivered, you got to go in the barn. Got to go in the barn with cows, with, with donkey, more donkeys, with chickens, guard chickens. That's <laughs> <laughs> a real thing. I can tell you about it later. And the, and the Bible, it, it didn't say that there was, a, there, there was a nice crib for them to lay baby Jesus in. No, he was laid in a feeding trough. The same thing that they fed the pigs and the donkey and the cow. And so therefore, you got to think this feeding trough's probably got what remains in it. It's not, it's not it hasn't been lysoled or bleached out. So, uh, so lady, you can imagine, you know, no, none, of, none of y'all would want to be giving your birth to your child in this. And it never said that Mary was like, oh, yes, we're going to, we're going to, you know, we're going to go in this barn that is unclean and animal. And I'm, I'm pretty sure the animals just, you know, just being what they do, just loud. I mean, it wasn't like they were like, oh, sh- let's calm down, let her, let her do her thing. No, they were, I'm, I'm pretty sure they was kicking up a storm as well. But what counting it all joy looks like, we can look at the life of Mary and Joseph or the moment when they gave birth to Jesus. Counting it all joy would look like them realizing and seeing, okay, this situation is unideal. This situation is unclean. This situation is unsanitary. This situation may be embarrassing. And when I go back to tell my family, hey, you know, how was it? You know, where did, what hotel or motel did you end up laying at? Well, we, we gave birth at, uh, out at so-and-so's farm. What a farm. I can't believe you gave birth. I'm pretty sure it's embarrassing. But when they gazed at the eyes of Yahweh, the Savior of the world, the joy that rose up in them, they counted everything else. They realized that everything else was meaningless compared to gazing at the eyes of Jesus. And for that, they counted it all joy. See, that's how you count, that's how you count difficulties as, as joy by realizing, okay, I, I know I'm going through this. 
But where's Jesus? Let me, let me gaze at the eyes of Jesus. And let me be reminded that he is my Savior. Can you imagine Mary literally having sheep beside her, but gazing at the eyes of Jesus and realizing, you know what? These sheep can bow all night. It's worth it. These cows can moo all night. It's worth it. This barn, can, this barn don't have to be the best barn in the world. It's worth it because I'm gazing at the eyes of my Savior. And uh, let's think about Joseph for a minute. Joseph, you know, husbands, we know what it's like. You know, if, if you know, you're trying to do your best for your wife, even though your wife's like, oh, you don't have to. Low key, we know, you, yeah, you got it. You got to step, you got to do it. You got to give your A game, your A plus game. You know, Joseph, you can you imagine if Joseph, like, he's going from hotel to motel to motel, and, you know, he's trying to work out a thing. You know, he's being all, like, you know, chest out. Hey, uh, you know, my wife's in labor. You know, hey, we want, we want to, you know, we want to purchase a room. Well, sir, we don't have any room. Uh, it's okay, Mary. Hey, it's okay. Let me talk to you. Hey, hey, bro. Hey, hey, look at me. She about to get birth. Give me a room, please. Don't do this. Don't do this, man. Like, come on, come on. We, we just chatting. He, you know, he's, you know, we just chatting. Please, please do it. Sir, we don't have any room. Don't say no. Don't say no. Please. You know, oh, oh, oh. Hey, they said we could try somewhere else because, you know, so let's go somewhere. And, you know, trying to keep that facade or trying to keep that image of everything's okay, baby, you know. Hey, I know the donkey's uncomfortable. It's okay because, you know, they said that there's another motel. There's another motel. Go to another motel. They, they said there's another motel. Trying to keep hope alive, trying to keep uh, her confidence. Hey, I promise we got the situation under control. I promise it's good. I promise I know where I'm going. I promise we ain't lost. I, I promise it's paid. I promise it's take care you know. But inwardly, he's like, oh. God, all right, what are we going to do, God? What are we going to do? And finally get to the one innkeeper. Hey, hey, but we don't have any room here, but we got this barn. Brother, are you trying to get me to sleep outside? Like if I had my wife deliver a baby bar, she ain't never going to let me back in the house when we get home. Really? You going to do this to me? Come on, man to man. Brother to brother. Jew to Jew. I mean, come on, sir. <laughs> you going to do this to me? Don't do it. Don't do it. Man, I, I, I heard you were so-so, son. Come on, I, I, I used to run with them. Come on. Connection. We went to Jewish school together. Come on, help me out. I, I am, man. That's why I'm going to give you this barn. Okay. And then I had to turn around and put on a brave face. Hey, babe, it's all good. They, they got a spot for us in the barn. Okay. And if you've ever seen The Chosen, The Chosen, I feel, I feel like I could have been one of the writers because they kind of they kind of dab into this just a little bit when, you know, Joseph is trying to, he, you know, he's freaking out in the barn. He's like trying to clean the trough. And she's like, she's like, Joseph, it's time. He's like, but I haven't got to clean. I'm like, hey, thank you, Joseph. I would have been like that, baby. Kelsey, I ain't got to clean yet. You got the whole, Kelly, you got to hold that baby. You got to bleach this thing down. And she's like, no, it's time. And him frantically freaking out, but it all, it all didn't matter. It all became meaningless when he saw, when he gazed into the eyes. See, it all connects you, you know, even though it was a couple of weeks ago we talked about the power of gazing into, into Jesus' eyes, you realize that it all kind of comes back to that. Why? Because there's something when you can gaze into the eyes of your Savior and realize that, you know what, everything I'm going through, it's meaningless. Why? Because he has saved me. He has redeemed me. He has restored me. And at the end of the day, I am with him and he is with me. I am in him and he is in me. And because of him, I can live. Because of him, I can, I can, I can, I, I can face tomorrow is what the song says. Because of him, he lives in me. Because of him, I can breathe. I can know that all, all misery, it, it doesn't compare to the joy that's coming. Amen? Amen. 
Somebody say joy. See, counting it all joy looks like us looking at our lives, us looking at the reality of everything that we're going to and then gazing at the eyes of Jesus and realizing it doesn't even compare. It doesn't compare. The best way to do this is realize and remember where he has brought you from, what he has delivered you out of, what he has delivered you from. All the shoulda, coulda, wouldas that shoulda happened in your life, but they didn't happen in your life. Why? Because God is a savior and a defender. Amen. That's what counting it all joy looks like. Realizing, you know, I could have been dead. I should have been dead. I should have been locked up. I should have been left alone. I should have, I should have not lived in this type of life. I should have not lived in this type of house. I should not have this job. But God defending me. But God going ahead of me. But God making a way. But God providing for me. But God delivering me. But God healing me. But God loving me. But God, but God, but God being the best person ever in my life, the one that sits closer than a brother, the one that can heal when the doctor says that there's no room for healing, there's no reason for healing, there's no type of healing that's ever going to happen. God being the great defender that when people, when the enemy rises up against me, his spirit raises the standard up and blots the opposition. But God being the type of loving father that can run to the edge of the road, even when I've forsaken him, run to the edge of the road and wrap his arms around me, put on his garments around me celebrate me slaughter the fattest calf and throw me a party why because he loves me gazing at God we realize these things gazing at God that's why we started this season off with saying sparking hope you can't spark hope without gazing at Jesus and in this season, when, when we live in a world where everybody's focused on material, when everybody's focused on uh, give me, give me, give me, when everybody's focused on uh, well, what can I do for you or, or how are you going to get this for me, in a world that is focused on being self-centered, we being the ones that follow Jesus saying, okay, Lord, I forsake myself to look at you. I forsake looking at my insecurities so I can look at your strength. I forsake my anxiety so I can look at your strength, so I can look at your wholeness. And in turn, it's like the Bible says, James actually says, like looking at a mirror and realizing, hey, as I look at you, I see who I'm supposed to be. I see who I was always created to be. I see the truth about myself. Amen. Amen. I see the truth about myself. I see the truth about myself. See, joy is not something that you have to fake. It's the fruit of what your faith knows to be true about you. Joy is not something that you have to fake. It is the truth of what you know about you. It's the truth. I'm going to say this again. It is the fruit of what your faith knows to be true about you. What's the truth about you? That you're a child of God. That you are a child of God. The truth about you is that you are a son and daughter of God. Amen? Amen. Recently, this past, this, uh, I think it was either Monday or Tuesday, and I'm, I'm almost, we're almost done, but this past Monday or Tuesday, I remember I had, a, I had an easy, y'all. Easy, looking back at easy. Had, all I had to do was run packages. You know, in, in my line of field, the best the best part is just running packages. If you got to run mail and packages, that gets that that's not fun. But if you just run in packages, fun because you don't have to roll the windows down. You keep the windows up. You can turn the AC on if it's hot. You can turn the heat on if it's cold. You know, you you can cruise if you want to. You know, because they just they're just pretty much checking your mileage. You know, so you get paid double mileage. It's it's good. It's easy. It's fun. And still in the midst of this, I'm I'm just like. I have a, I have a, I have a demeanor of ungratefulness. I have a demeanor of, of sadness. I have a demeanor of this isn't good enough. I have a demeanor of, oh man, this ain't enough. Or, oh, woe is me. You ever, you ever been like that where, you know, things could be going good for you, but you can't enjoy it because you're just so focused on you. Amen. 
in this, this, this particular day, I'm just so focused on everything that I don't have or everything that, that hasn't happened. And I'm, you know, I'm just driving. I'm like, oh, you know, this hasn't happened in my life. Lord, I, th- I, th- I thought I'd be further along this by now. I, 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 you know, I didn't expect. I still got this due. I still got that due. And I'm like, oh. And sudden, and, and I've heard this song before. I've heard it multiple times on, online. And I've always, like, just kind of swipe past it, kind of scroll past it. And in this moment of need and joy, I remember saying, Lord, I just need some joy. And the Holy Spirit reminded me of this song. You probably heard it. Uh, it's by Cain. It's called Blessed. And I was like, ah. you know, so I, I played it on my phone. And I'm, you know, I'm trying to pep myself up. But I, don't, I don't even feel like pepping myself. I don't even feel like in cheerle- cheerleading my own self. I'm just, you know, I let it play, you know. I'm so blessed. I'm, I'm so blessed. And, you know, it gets to the part where, uh, it gets to the part where it says, uh, on, on the worst day, I'm a child of God. On my best day, I'm a child of God. And I'm like, Lord, this is definitely a worst day. This is definitely a bad day for me. I'm like, oh, wow. I'm, Lord, I'm your child. Lord, yeah, this is definitely a Monday, but I'm still your child. And I'm, I'm looking at my workload. I'm like, Lord, I got a heavy workload. But I'm, Lord, I'm still your child. Lord, I'm probably going to be out late. Lord, I'm probably running from dogs at this house, but I'm still your child. Lord, things aren't, un- these, the Lord, and I, as I begin to list these things, Joy began to rise up, not happiness, joy. See, there's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is an emotion, but joy is a posture of your heart. And my, I, as I'm realizing these things, I realize that my heart is starting to become fixed and become satisfied, not with what's going on in my life, but satisfied with who is in my life. Satisfied with who I am based in, and that is God. And I, and I got to the point that I played that song 15 times, as I understand. I literally just kept playing. As soon as it was over, I kept playing. As soon as it was over, I kept playing. And finally, at one point, I'm roll, I got the windows down. And I'm just singing as loud as I can. On my worst day, I'm a child of God. On my best day, I'm a child of God. And you're the reason why. I mean, I'm, I'm doing harmonies and everything. And you're the reason why. I'm so blessed. I, I'm so blessed. To the point that it, that it just it kept uh, it, it became the song and the melody. It became the anthem for me that day to the point that when I got home, as I'm heating up dinner, I start singing it. And guess what? It starts rubbing off on Kelsey. It only took, it only took 20 seconds. She goes and sits down. She's doing something. She's like, oh, my worst day. Oh, my God, Lindsay, you got it in my head. And so I'm, so I'm like, let's sing it. And I start singing it. I, I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed. I, I'm so blessed. And you're the reason why. To the, and, and as we get ready, we lay down. We lay down in the bed, get ready to turn on the show. You know what happened? I started doing it. I said, I'm so blessed on my worst day. I'm a child of God. She said, oh, my God. I mean, that's good, but it's, it's like, I said, yes. And when I got in the shower, what happened? I'm like, on my best day, I'm a child of God. When I got out of the shower, I'm like, you're the reason why. But all the jokes went away and to the point I was like, Lord, you're the reason why. Oh, Jesus, Lord, you're the reason why. And it took, me extra, it took me extra time to get out of the shower. Why? Because I've, I've, I could just sense this aware, my awareness had increased of the truth of the reality, which is we are sons and daughters of God. Amen. That does not change. And that's what joy looks like. That's what counting all joy looks like. Realize, you know what? I'm, in son, I'm a son or daughter of God, and no matter what, that does not change. Therefore, what I'm facing, it doesn't matter. It's meaningless. It's meaningless. Amen? Amen. It's meaningless. Somebody say it's meaningless. It is meaningless. Last night, uh, I don't know if y'all remember that song. Well, before I even get into it, let me, let me say this one thing. The proof of faith results in a persuasion that remains constant in contradiction. 
the proof of faith, it remains uh, constant in, contradi- in contradiction. Let me say it this way. True faith will contradict your reality, but by embracing it, you are allowing the Holy Spirit to renew your mind into knowing what true satisfaction looks like. True faith, it will contradict your reality. But if you, if you, can, if you can move past that, if you can embrace the contradiction, then what's going to happen? The Holy Spirit will renew your mind. Paul said it best in, in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. If we can embrace the contradiction of, okay, on my best day, I'm a child of God, but I, I, I still got this pain in my body. On the worst day, I'm a child of God, but I, you know, I, I still got all this going on, but I'm still a son of God. If we can embrace the truth of that, then what's going to happen is the Holy Spirit is going to renew your mind to, to, in order for you to realize and get you to see what true satisfaction looks like. That way, when the devil brings a cheap imitation, you won't fall for it. That way, that way, like Romans uh, 6, 11 says, that we weren't ignorant to the devices of Satan. How are we not ignorant to the devices of Satan? Because he has renewed our mind to show us what true satisfaction looks like, to show us what true joy looks like, to show us what true hope looks like, to show us what true peace looks like. And we know what it looks like. Why? Because we're gazing at Jesus. Mary looking at Jesus. Smelling the barn. It, 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 it's, not, it's not like the smells went away. I, if, you don't, if you never smelled a barn, come meet me on my route tomorrow. I'll take it. I'll take it. You won't forget it. Oh, shoot, you won't forget it. Especially as it's been raining. Oh, you won't forget it. All right. In fact, go over to the neighbor and say, hey, hey, not gonna, hey you know, I just want to just kind of want to walk around the barn. Just get that, get that, get that experience. He may look at you weird and be like, okay, you know. Well, while you're out there, here, here's a rake if you want to rake some hay. Get that experience. It's not, like, it's not like all that went away as she's holding Jesus. But what happened, it didn't matter as she's holding Jesus because she counted all this as joy, realizing that without all this, I wouldn't have this. Without the barn, without the smell of the animals, watch this, without every innkeeper telling them no, she wouldn't have that. A lot of times we get upset when, the, when life tells us no, but really we should thank life when it tells us no. Because in that moment, without the rejections from every innkeeper, without the animals being the animals, without the livestock being the livestock, without the smells of the barn, she wouldn't be able to have that moment of counting it all joy, gazing at the Savior of the world. What are we discredited in our life because it's inconsistent or because it rubs us the wrong way? What are we discrediting in our life because it's, it's unideal or because it causes friction or because it causes moments of discomfort? When really we should be like, okay, Lord, all this that's going on, where, where are you at? Let me gaze at you. My Savior, my defender, my rock, my strong tower, my defender, my protector, my provider, my way maker, my lily in the valley. My rose of Sharon, my bright and morning star, my savior, my cornerstone, the one that hides me in the cleft of the rock, my daily keeper, my, my, my new morning and my, my new night, the sun in the morning and the moon at night, my cloud by day and my pillar of fire at night. Lord, where are you at? Let me gaze at you. 
see this, this Advent season, you know, this Christmas season, it really shouldn't be pointing us to the fact that we're getting presents or giving presents. It should point us to the fact that, hey, I can't see you, Jesus. Let me gaze at you. Let me, let me look upon your face. Let me, let me gaze at you through the scriptures. Let me see where you're at in the scriptures and let me look upon that. Let me write it down. Let me write it upon my heart. Let me write it upon my mind. Let me meditate on it. Ain't that right, baby? Let me meditate on it. Amen? Amen. Let me meditate on it. Last night when we was, and I'll, I'll close with this, last night when we was at Snappy Tomato Pizza. And I don't remember growing up, growing up I don't remember Snappy's being a Christian environment, but it is now. They play Christian music. I don't know if you knew that. But we're, we're eating, and I promise the last time we ate there, they played the song. And last night, they played it again. And I always forget about it until I hear it. But years ago, years ago, Anthony Evans wrote this song called Meaningless. I don't know if you ever heard it. If you haven't, I encourage you to add it to your library because it's powerful. But in the, you know, in the verse, or not even the verse I wrote down the course, you know, literally the course says this. It says, you know, it's meaningless without you. It's meaningless these these treasures i possess only you can satisfy only you can can take my life and without you my life is meaningless see true joy realizes that okay lord no matter what life looks like no matter how great it is it's meaningless if i if, if you're not in it it's meaningless if you're not in it see for a parent their life is meaningless if their child isn't with them why? Because that's what makes them a parent. A chef, a chef, a chef, his purpose is meaningless if he isn't in the kitchen cooking or prepping. You know, a bus driver, their, their role is meaningless if they're not driving a bus. A mail carrier, our, our job is meaningless if there's no mail. A police officer, his, his or her job is meaningless if there's no city or no one to protect or serve. You as a Jesus follower, you as somebody that is bearing the image of God, bearing the image of Christ, your life is meaningless if you're not gazing at the eyes of Jesus and reflecting what you see. Your life is meaningless if you're not reflecting the, the image of Jesus at your job. If you're not reflecting the image of Jesus in your family, if you're not reflecting the image of Jesus at school or at the grocery store, at the gas station or wherever, if you're not, if you don't sound like Jesus, if you don't look like Jesus, if you don't practice patience like him, if you don't practice empathy like him, if you don't practice love, unconditional love like him, then it's meaningless. What are we doing? What are we doing? But true joy gets us to realize that, Lord, no matter what life looks like, I'm satisfied in you. Better yet, the wine had said it back in 1981. They said it best this way. The question is, will I ever leave you? The answer is no, 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 no. Why, why, why could they sing that? Why? Because they understood that. The question is, no matter what life looks like, if it gets great while I leave you, no. Why? Because my true joy, my true satisfaction is found in you. My true satisfaction is found in you. Hey, y'all should have seen me yesterday as I'm, as I'm listening to that song and singing. I'm like, it hit me. I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm able to say no, too. Why? Because I realize that, Lord, only you, like Peter said, only you have the words of eternal life. Only you, Jesus, only you can up, uh, uphold my family. 
I was in Awana's movie yesterday, if y'all don't catch that uphold. I was, only Jesus can uphold my family. Only Jesus can uphold your life. Only Jesus can sustain your life. Only Jesus can cause you to thrive. Only Jesus can protect. Only Jesus can provide. Only Jesus. And Mary realized this as she's gazing upon him, looking at his eyes. And Joseph realized, hey, I, I, may, I may not have provided the best atmosphere, but it doesn't matter because there's my Savior. He's now with me. And I can look upon his face. Look upon his face. That's what true joy does. It's going to make you realize, okay, am I looking upon the face of Jesus? I can, I can tell you this. If, you don't, if you're not experiencing unending joy, then guess what? That means that you're not looking upon the face of Jesus. That means that you're not looking upon the face of Jesus. Because true joy... True joy. We said it earlier, but true joy. Somebody say true joy. True joy joy is being satisfied with God no matter what. If nobody gave you presents this Christmas, would you still be satisfied with God? If you won the lottery, would you still be satisfied with God? If your job was going to give you a promotion, would you be satisfied? If your job wasn't going to give you a promotion and literally the boss came to you and said, hey, the position you have, you're going to have to work this position for the next five years, would you still be satisfied with God? If people came into your life and loved you up, clapped you up, would you be satisfied with God? If everybody left you, if loved ones passed on, moved on, would you still be satisfied with God? Could we still be satisfied with God? That's what joy looks like. That's what this week is all about. And I encourage you, find opportunities. Find opportunities. And really, if you look, you ain't got to look hard. Because moments of chaos, moments of difficulty, they're always around. Amen? Moments of chaos, moments of unideal situations or scenarios or memories or triggers, they are always around. But I encourage you, in that moment, if you had to say, okay, what, what did Mary and Joseph do in this moment? What, what did Mary and Joseph do when the, the aroma of the pigs went through their nostrils? What did, what did Mary and Joseph do when the sheep wouldn't be quiet while she's trying to breathe? Because she, no, she didn't have Joseph that had to put an oxygen mask on her. <laughs> Joseph didn't have to worry about that. Joseph had a good didn't have to worry about putting an oxygen mask on. It's harder than you think, folks. So I'm just saying. <laughs> But ask yourself, what did, what did Mary and Joseph do in this moment? They counted it all joy. They counted it all joy to hold their promise. To hold their promise. There is a promise upon your life. And you're not going to walk in it unless you're willing to count all the difficulties as joy. Unless you're willing to calculate and evaluate all the things that you go through and realize it's okay because I'm in God. Amen. I want to give one more scripture real quick. I want to pause and give one more scripture real quick. Psalm 16, verse 11. Watch what David says. Watch what David says. He says, you reveal the path of life to me. Look at this. In your presence is abundant joy. In your presence is abundant joy. That, that's the answer for you. Not just this week, but for the rest of your life. If you need joy, if you, if you, if you, if you literally ask yourself the question, am I satisfied? And, and when, I, when I said it earlier this week, on that day, I, I, didn't, I wasn't experiencing true satisfaction. 
But when I got in the presence of God, just like David says, in your presence is abundant joy and at your right hand are eternal pleasures. You know who sits at his right hand? You know who sits at the Father's right hand? Jesus. So when you gaze at Jesus, those eternal pleasures, you'll find those. When you spend time in his presence, true satisfaction, true satisfaction will become the posture of your heart. Not saying that well, the moment you spend time in his presence, you're going to walk outside and it's going to be sunny and rainbows and you're going to eat whatever you want and not gain weight. Not saying that. But what I'm saying is when you spend time in his presence and you get up and walk out of his presence, you may not feel it at first. But as the day goes on, you're going to realize that what used to bother you, is it doesn't bother you as much. What used to raise your blood pressure doesn't affect you. What used to get on your nerves, you, you didn't even notice it. Why? Because you have true satisfaction. True satisfaction is found in the presence of the Lord. True satisfaction, amen? True satisfaction is not found in a significant other. It's not found in an app. It's not found in a red velvet cake. It's not found in ice cream. It's not found in a show. And it's not found in a song. It's found in Jesus. It's found in Jesus. It's found in the one that we can gaze our eyes upon. Lord, thank you so much for today, God. Thank you, Jesus, for what you